Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. This is the Hobby Hotline outtake episode. I've done this before. really enjoy being on there because it's live, and it's pretty different from what I do. I get to hear from different people in real time. John Newman did a great job, Sports Card Nation, as a quarterback. Rich Klein, the all-pro running back, and I was the receiver. As John Newman, Rich Klein, and the other attendees were throwing me some passes, throwing me some questions. These are the excerpts that I thought would be of interest to those who listen to this podcast. Thanks, sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huckinson Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Card, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. There's a lot of different podcasts out there. Some are canned, some are short, some are long, some are live, but I'm trying to build a record here of helpful information and hopefully entertaining information about this great hobby that we all love. Each episode is a little bit different. This is a part of Hobby Hotline that drew out some interesting remarks. I encourage you to listen to Hobby Hotline and, and the whole thing, but not just that week or last week or next week, but any week because every week is different. Again, thanks everybody. Hope you enjoy the episode. Here it is, and I'll be back again tomorrow. You did price guides for 25 years. Do you think more is going to come out of wherever they're being held? Yes, more good stuff is going to come out, but the reason some of these cards are going, whether it's older stuff or newer stuff, the reason they're going for such high prices is because there aren't a bunch of them out there, but there are similar things. So yes, I have some similar things, probably not at that level, but it's going to cause more uh, veteran collectors to go back and look and see, wow, if that card is worth that, then my cards are worth this and I can cash in. Now it, it could go higher, it could go lower, but it's sure a lot higher than from my perspective, than anybody my age would have thought they would have ever gotten this high. This is a historically based question. There were no arrows in this issue because everything went up and was partially in reaction to the Black Monday in 1987. And people, it was a great storm at the time and, and everything was going up. You were doing your book, so you were really a nerd into doing the pricing. And the magazine comes out, there's no arrows. Everything's just up. Are we in a position where almost everything's just going up again, including maybe our 88 downers is going from a nickel to a dime? <laughs> You're right. Back in, in 87, it seemed like everything in the vintage world went up overnight. That in, indirectly probably ushered in the, the junk wax era, which some people think started it around 87, 88, 89. But that was an across the board doubling over a couple of months, it seemed. But this is way more sporadic. This is not across the board doubling. This is some of the high end stuff. A thousand percent increase. Then other things are not necessarily going. So you have to be more analytical about what's going up more. And I've said, I want to buy stuff before it goes up. <laughs> and everything didn't go up. Market movers and card ladder and these other analytical tools are trying to show you the history. By looking at the history, you're trying to figure out maybe what hasn't gone up, what appears to be a bargain. But it's only a bargain yeah. compared to these world record prices. It's not a bargain to where prices were 18 months ago. Are these prices actually exciting for the hobby? Is this a good thing or can there be a, a negative aspect? The negative aspect is the exciting part. It's unsustainable over time, not just the increase, but the continuing increase. Is it exciting? Absolutely. Is it long-term good for the industry? Not so sure. One thing it does, it brings cards out of the closet and new people into the market. And there's always an excitement when that happens, when new cards come out fresh to the hobby that have been sitting in closets for a long time. There's also an excitement when somebody new enters. If you're new, you may look at something with a new light, but there's a famed statement that 
An employee is at his most productive the first 90 days on the job. A new hobbyist will be the most excited the first 90 days into his or her collecting. Then you start saying, okay, I feel jaded or I'm this way. When it's all brand new to you, it's exciting. Once COVID is behind us, what overall percentage do you think prices will adjust across the market on average? Excellent question. But let, let me rephrase it a little bit because I do not think prices will adjust across the market on average. I think that's good. That's part of the good news of the hobby now. It's more dynamic than it's ever been, which means some things can go up, some things can go down. The days of an across-the-board increase, it's going to happen in a few cases. People are jumping around. They're going to what's hot. They're seeing what's a good deal. And so this adjusting the market on average, I think that's become an archaic concept. And again, that's good news because it means if you're really astute, if you're really tracking the industry, you're going to know what good deals are today and tomorrow instead of what would have been a good deal a year ago because a year ago is gone. Today, you can apply your ratios, but you need to know the market and it's the market doesn't move on averages. It's being pulled up. I'm not saying there's not a trend up, but if one card triples, the other card doesn't necessarily triple as well. We were very concerned 30 plus years ago about what would happen if Dwight Gooden, when the early rumors of where he was getting uh, off track, that uh, what would happen because he was so hot there in the mid 80s and, and yet the hobby survived. So there's some individual aspect and there's some across the board aspect. But what's getting the news is the sensational world record prices, which is pretty much the best players, their best cards. What Gary V pointed out last year is somebody's going to pull this $50,000 Zion Williamson out of $6 pack. It might not have really been a $6 pack and a $50,000 card, but his point is that a lot of these cards come from accessible packs. If you have a really good card out of an accessible pack, even if it's the dream, it's like hitting a lottery. There's a certain joy in opening the pack and seeing the players. And if you live here in Dallas, maybe you get a Luca card or Tim Hardaway Jr. card or... Porzingis card or somebody you actually enjoy watching play. So there's added benefits to that as well. I opened a $500 box yesterday. There were 50 cards in the box. So there were 10 packs of five cards. I expressed the logic that in my age, I'm thinking 50 cards, 500 bucks, uh, $10 a card. I don't think that's what the current thinking is. The current thinking is not, am I going to get 50 cards that are $10. It's, am I going to get one card that's more than $500? And fra frankly, to Gary V's point, that's 50000 Maybe. I don't think so, but you're looking for the one card that's a different kind of collecting than complete set. That's why breaking is, is popular. And maybe he gets something cool that helps pay for everything else, and he can sell what he doesn't want to pay for the cards he does want. And breaking also reduces in some ways the consumer's risk in a lot of products because you're going to get the cards you need for your team and then you'll figure out what to do with the rest. So breaking in a lot of ways is really beneficial to the consumer and it's beneficial to the dealers because it guarantees them a profit as well instead of worrying about, hey, will I be able to sell the boxes? Hey, you've sold the boxes. You just sold them in a different way. <laughs> we used to do the case analysis when some of these products came out a uh, long time ago, and you try to figure out the, the pricing structure with some inserts being tougher than others, and then try to track the market. But if there's a product that would provide a positive expected value, there's a net profit. If you could project that based on the insert ratios and what cards are going for, that a box at $500 would yield 
600 or 750 or 1,000, then the strategy would be to buy all the boxes. And so that's what bots have done. They've accelerated this ability to look at the product and say, this is a good deal. And instead of buying a slice or buying a break position, I'm going to buy it all. Now, you have to have deep pockets, and they're putting away some of them. But if you do the math and you have the chance, if you have a one in 20 chance of getting a $20,000 card, then paying anything less than $1,000 for that, in the long run, you're going to win. I stand by the fact that when you're looking at getting into a break, as opposed to buying the product yourself, as opposed to buying singles, there's an analytical approach that could suggest which one of those three is the better deal. And that's going to change over time because it's a super dynamic hobby right now, and I hope it always is. One thing Dr. Jim and I talk about frequently is the 2025-year rule. You know, the, the kids coming back, Nick Redwine always used to say kids left for cars, cuties, and college. That generation did basketball. We haven't touched on basketball yet, but that generation did basketball, which exploded even more after the baseball strike. It's the 2025-year rule for them coming back in, not commuting an hour to work each day now, at home two extra hours a day. You were home two extra hours a day, and you had cards in your closet. Now you have two extra hours a day to do something else. And then you went back, back and looked at your cards, and you said, I had fun with this when I was young. And then you got more and more into it. And I think that happened to a lot of people, too. And this price explosion gets other people in who say, there's real money in this. Let's get into it. So there's a lot to this. We're realizing that we always think there's a certain percentage of people that have the collecting gene and you just love to collect, not necessarily hoard, but to collect. That's a significant double digit percentage of the population. But an even higher percentage of the population might be those who have some entrepreneurial interests so making some side gig money. And so when you put those two together, you have the time and you have the interest then all of a sudden now you get a hobby where you can enjoy and make money. And that's played out big time in the last 12 months. What happens post-COVID when everyone's, you know, back to work, there's not as much working from home or unemployment. Maybe there are no more stimulus packages. And as we know, this hobby, it's just so dynamic. The way I slice it is that are there going to be player corrections? Absolutely. There always will be. Are there going to be uh, product corrections. Absolutely. There always have been, always will be. Are there going to be sport corrections? I think there will be. There's some sports. I'm not going to mention anything about dribbling, but <laughs> there are sports that could have a little bit of a correction. What we're concerned about is an industry correction. And with so many alternatives, I'm hopeful that as collectors get frustrated as things go up, but then they go down, that they look for other things and they stay within the hobby. That's my great hope, that it's a great hobby. If you picked basketball at the peak and it dr- drops a little bit, I think people are moving to football. It, it's the opposite of vaccinations. Traditionally, vaccinations are giving you a little bit of the disease so that you won't get the full disease. But in card collecting, what we've seen in the last 12 months, a lot of people have gotten a little bit of the bug, and it's now taking over. Even when COVID leaves, they've got the bug. They have the full-on card collecting. It's not a disease, but it's a lifestyle. I think they're going to have trouble walking away from that because it's so much fun.